0: All right, folks, welcome back to the Land Fixer podcast. I'm Logan, your host, where we talk all things land. So we're in episode two of a little series here where we're talking about sort of retail investment strategies. Okay, so, you know, when most people get familiarized with land investing, it's typically in flipping. If you aren't aware, flipping is pretty simple. Effectively, what you're doing is you're going to buy undervalued land, typically anywhere between 20 to 50% of retail value, usually from a distressed seller, someone out of state, someone who inherited the property, so on and so forth. Then you bring it to market through any number of methods, and you try to make the spread, right? This is a simple but complex model. So... We will go in depth on that later, we do that. I am an active land flipper, but you know, right now we're focused on what can you do with just money that's sitting around, right? So maybe you have it invested in something that's low yield, maybe you just have a checking or a savings account, or maybe you're in the process of selling other assets and you're determining where you wanna put that money in the future. So last week we covered funding land flips, right? So being the money partner to a land flipper like myself or the many, many others that are out there. Today, I have kind of two smaller ones that I'm gonna get into. One of them I think is really undervalued in our market. And we'll start with that, okay? So as a retail investor, I believe, and I've done this myself to a limited degree, I believe there is a lot of land that you can buy at effectively wholesale prices right now. And you can be very strategic about what you're buying, typically from land flippers, so someone who's already went and got a steep discount on it and they're just looking to sell it cash. And you can create sort of what I call a land portfolio. So you can start gathering up these properties, buying them at a wholesale rate, maybe around 80, 75, 90, depending on, you know, of retail value, and then you can hold those, right? This is an attractive option for folks that are maybe getting a little sketched out by other places that their money's parked right now. So, you know, maybe you've put a bunch of money into crypto and you did all that. You know, I never did it, but I've heard stories. Maybe you have invested a ton of money and other financial tools I and mean, rental homes or or you know syndication deals, maybe you have commercial holdings right now, and you're getting really uh, you know worried about what the commercial landscape's going to look like in real estate investing in the next few years. Well, land is a very good option to park your money. A lot of people call it land banking right because you can take money buy that asset, and you'll have sort of a hedge against inflation. And there's a number of other benefits to buying land in a portfolio. One, you can really invest at in almost any price point. So you can buy land for as little as a few hundred dollars and sit on it and have very low overhead, maybe a dollar to a year in taxes, whatever, all the way up to buying huge ranches. The benefits of that is you can kind of start anywhere. You know, I have some folks that bought land from me. Who wanted to dip their toe in the water? So they bought a couple affordable properties and then they realized how much they enjoy it because you get to use these properties actively. They're not just a piece of paper somewhere, right? So the idea of a portfolio is you can buy different asset types, right? So you can go buy recreational land. You can buy recreational land in a ton of different states. You can buy, depending on what your long term interests are, you can buy. You know, buildable lots that are maybe near a city or in a city. You can buy, a lot of people buy and hold frontage on major freeways, right? Because you don't know when the development's necessarily going to happen. But when it does happen, there's a huge price increase. Uh, And a lot of that's speculative. You know, I don't really advise folks buying and holding, hoping for a big payout someday, but rather buying and holding and knowing that your property is probably going to steadily improve in value, and the holding costs are really low. And the more land you get, and the higher value land that you get, you also have the potential for future projects. You know, other stuff that I talk about, whether it's uh, subdivision, whether it's rezoning, whatever, there's a bunch of different ways to improve land, so that you can have it, hold on to it. And when you need to sell it, you can go through maybe some very feasible, doable steps to make it marketable, to force appreciation, and then to cash out at some point. So yeah, the the major value there is you can spread your risk out over multiple markets. You know, it's really easy to own land all over the country. So if you treat it like a portfolio, you know, like somebody might buy an index stock, I don't know a lot about this stuff, but the idea is you kind of buy maybe higher risk and lower risk and medium risk, and you offset the risk levels with the different types of assets that you purchase. Well, you can do the same thing with land, right? Maybe you are looking to invest a couple hundred thousand dollars. You say, well, I really like the following states. You know, a lot of people invest in the Sunbelt. So maybe they're like, well, I want to invest in Texas or Florida, or maybe you pick two or three states, Tennessee. And you say, okay, well, I want a place that's usable Okay, so maybe I buy acreage in Tennessee because it's so beautiful, something that I can use for recreation, go visit an RV, et cetera. And then maybe the sort of more speculative or more high-risk properties would be something that is, you know, based off of some periphery research. Maybe this is an area of growth. Maybe this is an infill lot in a town that's showing, you know, in Florida that's got a nice, predictable demographic growth in the area. I mean, there's a lot of active building going on. And if I buy this property in this neighborhood and hold on to it for two, three, four, five, ten 10 years, I know that when I sell it, not only am I going to not lose my money to inflation, but that asset's gonna potentially go up, you know, a pretty serious amount in appreciation. So yeah, that's pretty much the fundamentals. Uh, and and the, the reason I think this is such an ideal market to tap into is you can go connect with a bunch of land flippers right now, who are very happy to make a wholesale cash sale. So uh, I've done this in the past where I get a property under contract and I'll go shop it to my list of investors who I know are interested in buying land as an asset and then say, hey, who wants to buy this? I know I can bring it to market, You know, and within three to six months, I'll say sell it for $100,000. But if somebody wants to sign this now, I'll assign the contract over for $80,000. You can save $20,000. You know, that's a that's built-in equity the second that you buy it and then you know review it. Maybe this is something that'll appreciate so on and so forth. And maybe it's a fun property to own. People in our industry have kind of classified it as man jewelry. You know, some folks just like to own a ton of land. It's a really good feeling, honestly. And typically the holding costs are really low. So one thing you would want to avoid is, for example, buying a property in an area that has, you know, you don't really want to be paying HOA fees or POA fees. You don't really want to be doing maintenance on a property. So you don't really want to buy a portfolio property that you need to have the lawn mowed on a regular basis or things of that nature. But for the most part, you can buy a lot of land that you don't have to do anything with. Okay. So that's my first retail. I call that the land portfolio. The second one is pretty fun. I call it the cut and flip, okay? I have a friend of mine who engages in this somewhat regularly, and I haven't done it myself yet, but I've been very tempted on a few properties. But the idea is you can go buy large acreage. What's a good example? You know, say we'll use Texas. So say you go buy 100 acres in Texas. You can cut five or 10 acres off of that property, keep it for yourself and probably by the next year or so, bring it to market and get your original investment back. You know, the bigger the acreage, the lower the price per acre. You know, a lot of people are already utilizing that in subdivision plays and development plays. But if it's just you personally wanting to kind of hack the system a little bit and start collecting land very affordably, Uh, it's very, very viable to go buy large acreage, cut off the section that you want, a small piece of it, and it's really not going to lower the value of the property that much. As long as you take into account a few things, right? One of the big things is you do not want to, say, take the cut of the property that is the only access. (laughs) You You don't want to cut access to the rest of the property that's Seems pretty obvious, but I could imagine someone running into that issue. You also wouldn't want to cut anything that makes it an abnormal or unreasonable shape, something that's, you know, the next buyer is going to look at and really question to say, is this what I want to buy? This isn't useful for my purposes anymore. So it takes a little bit of finesse. But for the most part, those are pretty simple to understand this is also a good option for a property that you may already hold and you've been not wanting to let go of it because you like it for X, Y, and Z reason. Well, maybe you want to just keep a piece of it, right? That's usually very affordable. If you're the owner of the land, the process in order to cut off a parcel, it could be complicated if you're in a certain jurisdiction. But for the most part, it's like calling the county planning and zoning or the city planning and zoning and telling them what you want to do. And most of the time, they're just going to say, "Okay, get a surveyor out there." That surveyor is going to stake it, draw a preliminary plat for you. You submit that to the governing entity, and they'll approve it. And bada bing, bada boom, you send that over to the central appraisal district. They're going to assign a separate parcel number for it, separate tax statement for it. You keep yours, you sell off the rest. This is a, like I said, I think this is a very approachable, very simple way for somebody who's looking to start building a little collection of land. And try to hack it, right? Try to get, get it free or get it very close to free. You know, I think if we didn't already have so many different ways that we're trying to leverage land in our business as an asset, this is one that maybe I'll, maybe I'll pursue in retirement, right? See how many free pieces of land that I can get using that strategy. I mean, if you combine that you know, say you're really ambitious in certain areas, you can get very affordable financing, right? So you could go get, say, a Texas ag loan, go buy 130 acres, cut 10 acres off, and within a few months, just relist it as 120 acres. And you're probably not going to see a huge difference in value, especially if you can do it on a property that, say, you bought from a wholesaler, so you already bought it at a discount, you know, kind of combine A and B here, Or just find property that just has terrible marketing behind it. You see this all the time. Most real estate agents don't really know how to make land appealing. They don't know how to tell the story about land. So they just take GIS photos, slap them out, you know, slap it into the MLS and off they go. So because of that, there's a lot of properties that when you're scrolling through the MLS or you're looking at Zillow or lands.com or whatever listing service, and it just looks unattractive. And that can cause people to not buy it. So I know a lot of land investors, a lot of successful land investors who just run through those listings all the time. Find the worst marketed property. Low ball them. People aren't visiting the property. Call, call 50 listings. See how many agents actually answer the phone. You know, that's how then then reach out to the owner directly. Be like, hey, I'm trying to buy this property. Your agent is even ask, you know answering the phone. What if I bought it from you for, say, 80% of what it's listed for, 75% of what it's listed for? I think you'll have pretty decent success right there. So pretty simple video today. As always, uh, this is Logan with the Land Fixer podcast. And if you want to reach out to me, hit me at landfixerpodcast at gmail.com or landfixer at gmail.com. Check out our website, promlandexchange.com, thelandfixer.com. And, you know, I'd love to get to know you. One of my big ambitions for starting this podcast, for recording content, is I want to go meet a bunch of cool investors. People who are maybe in other avenues that I'm not aware of, or people who are doing different things that I might be able to help them with. As usual, if you have land that you need developed, you can partner with us. We will partner with you to develop, subdivide, force appreciation on properties that you already own, if it fits our criteria. And if you're looking to invest money in, say, funding, land flips, JVing on deals, reach out to me because we have those opportunities rolling in on a regular basis as well. So thank you for your time. Sign off. We'll talk to you soon.